0: Gamers, welcome to episode 35 of the Racial Diversity Gaming Hour. I am your host, the Commissioner Glenn Gordon, uh, and it has been a great week in gaming. Um, Eurogamer Expo is going strong in London, I believe. Um, With me, of course, is the most racially diverse gaming crew on the internet today, starting, of course, with our good friend Ben Shillabier-Hall. How are you, Ben?
1: I um, am half asleep,
0: half awake. This guy's been at been at Eurogamer, so he's um, he's tired. Yeah. Um, how's it been?
1: Oh, it was amazing. It was it, it, it was better than last year. Last year was horrendous. I must admit that. But this year has been really good. That's good um, to hear. So yeah, I was I was really happy.
0: We'll ask you for more details on that later. Um, also joining us today uh, from Korea, we haven't seen this guy in a while. Our good friend, host with the most, Dane Smith. How
2: are you, Dane? Oh I'm doing just PG Keen, Glenn doing awesome that the podcast is starting at not five AM for once. How about yourself?
0: <laughs> Good. I mean I'm okay with eight fifty PM as well. Um I guess Ben would be the odd man out. It's what? Um uh 10, 11, 12, 1. It's almost two in the morning there.
1: Yeah, it's almost it's- two AM here.
0: So a special thanks to you for being on.
1: Well, thank you for having me
0: on. Absolutely. Guys, it's been an interesting week. Um let me first Uh, Say this, um, before I begin on that, my audio has changed um, the way I sound. I'm I'm using the PlayStation Gold headset right now. Um, So if anyone is wondering what the audio quality of the PlayStation Gold headset, the wireless one, uh, is, this is about it, at least as far as it is connected to my computer. Um, I'm not sure how it would sound on the PS4, if it sounds different at all. Um, So if you're interested in the PlayStation Gold headset, there you go. This is what it sounds like. Um, we do have a couple of tweets. Uh, let me pull them up here. Um, I think I've just got one from Adam Duffield. He says, uh, "Great podcast once again, guys. Hearing Glenn and Gary mostly disagreeing makes me laugh all the time. Great stuff." Uh, well, apologies to you. Gary's not here today. He's being—he's off garying somewhere. He's—he's he's getting
2: disagree with me. He, I can disagree
0: with Dane, yes. Um, Gary's going to make people believe he's busy. Um, the <laughs> but Church he's... of Gary. Oh my goodness, we're, that's that's territory there. Um, <laughs> we're going to uh, have him get on very soon, though. Thanks for your tweets. Um, also, a little comment for you, Ben, on Unchained. He noticed that you were pretty quiet, so I guess we'll work on that together later. Yeah. Um So, guys, thanks for your tweets. As usual, if you have anything that you would like to say on the podcast or discuss with us, just send us a tweet at therdgh, at T-H-E-R-D-G-H, and your words will be read aloud on the air. Uh, So thanks for that. Um, Let's talk about this. Um, First of all, Nintendo uh, is older than a lot of stuff. Uh, this article comes from Nintend- uh, NintendoEnthusiast.com. If I could find it, I just lost it. Uh, where'd it go? Oh, here it is. Okay, yeah. Um, NintendoEnthusiast.com. Uh, I guess did some research just to see how old Nintendo is. And um,
1: is it's it per- like the late 1800s?
0: I don't know about. I don't know about late 1800s. That seems early, at least to my ears. But when you listen to this, it might kind of fit. Um, it says Nintendo was created in the same year as one, the wall street journal. Um, <laughs> the first major power line in America, which was 14 miles long, by the way, um, it was in, uh, it reached Portland, Oregon. Uh, the Moline Rouge. I'm not exactly sure what it is. Uh, Milan a, Rouge. Milan Rouge. Okay. Uh, the painting *Starry Night* by Van Gogh, uh, Coca-Cola in its in people's medicine cabinets, uh, Benjamin Harrison as he was the 23rd president, uh, the patenting of Zeppelins, these big airships that look kind of like blimps, um, the Eiffel Tower officially opened, that uh, the first dishwashing machine, the Brassier, was invented in Germany, uh, the last bare uh, <laughs> buckle, bare knuckle, bare buckle, bare knuckle boxing match. Uh, between John Sullivan and Jake Kilran. Screw caps for bottles were created for the first time. Coin-operated telephones. The measurement for one meter was defined. Thomas Edison showed his first motion picture. The jukebox debuted. Nintendo is older than or as old as all of these things. So that's longevity, guys.
2: Well, Glenn... Uh... Nintendo was right. Nintendo was founded in the late 1800s. The September, late 1800s? 20, September 23rd, 1889, is when they were founded.
1: Right, yeah. and they were making tr- uh, trading card playing cards back then called Hanafuda. Um, they were homemade cards and became popular. And in 1950, 1963, they started making other things. They made a taxi company, a love hotel chain, a TV network, a food company that sold instant rice, and several other things.
0: <laughs> Nintendo Instant Rice
1: yeah and that- then later on they started making the Ultra Machine, the Love Tester and other things
0: that's crazy I can't imagine Nintendo Instant Rice like I'd expect it to be shaped like <laughs> Mario or something <laughs> um, yeah
1: Nintendo Instant Rice <laughs>
0: That's just amazing. Um, while we're talking about Nintendo, so but congratulations to Nintendo, by the way, on on such longevity and many more years to you. Um, but while we're talking about Nintendo, uh, an adapter is coming out in Japan. Uh, it's by Cybergadget, and it's doing something very curious. It's going to allow a host of different controllers to work with a Wii U or a Wii console. Um, including PC, USB controllers, joysticks, and the DualShock 3 and the DualShock 4 for PlayStation. So in Japan, with this adapter, you will be able to use your DualShock controller on your Wii or your Wii U. Um, What do you think, guys? Uh, Are you surprised that this functionality is even available? And how do you think it'll work?
1: Chances are the Wii U counts the gamepad as just a standard USB device. There's probably no real... It's just like, yeah, if you plugged in a USB controller into your PS3, it, it recognises it instantly. It recognises the. Dev- that's why the PS4 controller works, the DualShock 4 works on PS3. My guess is the Wii U just literally picks up the controller and thinks it's a USB device. So when you, with this adapter, it literally does the exact same thing. It just looks at it and thinks, oh, that's a USB controller.
0: So if you had a, a, a wii u did you, did you ever get your
1: wii u by the way no money was too short sadly right.
0: i remember something was happening with your tv and you were yeah my tv it.
1: broke had to get a new tv and then we're going down to london it's uh yeah so if it all you stacks up
0: if you had a, a wii u would you buy this adapter to use your Dual Shock on it
1: yes you would yes i would W- in what? fact i would import uh, in fact I'd probably import it cuz it should work on a, on north american and european we use properly
0: absolutely um just for reference amazon japan lists a 2894 yen price point which i believe is about 20 and 25 dollars uh something yeah i like think
1: that. it's 26 dollars last i knew
0: right um, but again
1: you know with price changing it could be anything
0: Price changing imports, but just yeah. to give you an idea, if you're interested in this gadget, um, comes out November 30th in Japan. Dane, any thoughts?
2: Uh, I think that's pretty cool that you can pick any controller that you want. Well, no, so... not, not Xbox
0: controllers. Just USB controllers, joysticks, and the Dual Shocks.
2: Well, almost any controller that you want. I mean, it's just pretty cool. Like if you want to, it's it feels like a computer in a sense. Like if you don't like a keyboard, well, you can use a controller. In this case, if you don't like uh, the Wii U controller, you can use uh, a PS3 controller for all the PS3 or PS4 fans out there. Right. So it's just an extra incentive that if you are a fan of those systems, well, you, you're not stuck with a Wii U controller, and that might swing a couple people. I know it'll make my life easy when I get a Wii U when uh, Fire Emblem Cross Shin Megami Tensei comes out.
1: Right. And plus, you've got to think about the fact that you don't need to then purchase another Wii U gamepad. You can just use your DualShock 4 and yeah. save a little bit of money. Yes, uh, that, does it, my, that does, does make it Or the PS3 worthwhile.
2: controllers too. I mean, I got four PS3 controllers, yeah. so money saved. There's money on games. Yeah? They were you, thinking ahead.
0: Do you think that the uh, the touchpad or the motion sensing uh, aspects of it could be used at all?
1: No, because it'll be a standard USB device that it's picking up. Right. Um, so it, chances are it'll literally be just the analog sticks. It might even not have the vibration, it might not support vibra- the, the vibration on the DualShock.
0: Right. So there, there might be a bit of a sacrifice there.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, we did mention the DualShock, so I'll use that as a segue. Let's talk PS4 for just a moment. Um, with the Destiny all out and in the wild and ready to go... Um, shoot, I was not i was going to try not to yes. say Destiny in this one. Destiny. Um, with Destiny out in the wild, uh, focus is now starting to shift toward the next game coming out for PlayStation, that is Drive Club. Um, Drive Club launches October 7 uh, for North America... October 10 for most of Europe, except the UK, which will see the game on, oh no, excuse me, October 8th for the most of Europe, except the UK, which will see the game on October 10th. Um, I believe PlayStation Universe is already in progress uh, reviewing this game. So um, I haven't heard anything about it, but it looks awesome. And, and when I say that I'm referring to this uh, video, um, Paul Reschenski himself, the director of Drive Club, took to Twitter and published, um, or not published, but linked to a video. And he said he's not sure who produced it, but it is, he confirmed that it is gameplay footage from the final game. Um, I showed this video to Dane and Ben earlier, and I'm not going to say anything, but what did you guys think of this video and, and of Drive Club?
2: My mind is now goop on the wall. It was that good. I can't wait to see, like, an RPG or some other game uh, have graphics like that I mean it was just amazing uh, I was looking at it and like like you were saying you specifically said man we should be recording this right now just getting my reaction because of just how natural it was I'm just looking at it and my mind is blown like specifically about the environments like the fog looks like fog it's not this pixelated mess It like it honestly looks like fog which is pretty pretty impressive um, is what I gotta say and this is one of the first games coming out on the the PS4 and by first games I mean first year games so I just can't wait to see what other stuff can take advantage of the hardware like Drive Club is obviously doing.
0: Now this game um, as Dane mentioned was going to launch with the PlayStation 4 um, last November Um, But it was delayed until, I mean, goodness, for almost a year. This, um, I believe it was Dane, you said earlier, if the delay was to make the game look like this, then it was 100% worth it. You said something along those lines. I think Um, that
2: is almost a direct quote, yeah.
0: This, and the game looks phenomenal. The video he's talking about is not in English, it's in Spanish to the tune of um, Armin van Buren and Adam Young's Utopia, uh which you heard at the top of the show, uh, if you're just wondering what that song is, it's a very good song. Um it's called Drive Club Single Clavis. So five clavis. And Clavis I believe means keys or code. So I'm not sure I'm not sure the reason behind this title, but that's where you can see the video if you want to look it up on YouTube. And prepare for your mind to become goop on the wall, a
2: la Dane Smith. Um because well, it, it, it just... really does
0: look amazing.
2: Well, what it also does is it shows the potential of what Uncharted 4 and The Order are going to look like. So because Drive Club's a first-party game and those other two games are going to be first-party or at least exclusive. I forget if The Order is made by a first-party company. But if Drive Club can look that good and supposedly, as you were saying uh, before the show aired, that is in-game footage. It's not just some cutscene. Um... I just can't wait to see what Uncharted, and The Order, and what other games are going to look like for companies that take the time to really uh, put graphics first.
1: I'll confirm myself that it's in- all in-game. Yeah, ben, ben is actually at Eurogamer,
0: so you've gotten to see this in action, haven't you?
1: Yeah, I, got to, I didn't play it because the queue was ridiculously long, but I did get to see a few people play it. It was amazing.
0: That's ridiculous. So um, look for this game coming soon to PlayStation 4. Um, Just so you know, there's only a 15-gigabyte install size, so that'll make you digital gamers happy. Um, If you have PlayStation Plus, it's only 50 bucks. And if you have PlayStation... That is, um, if you don't get the free version. Uh, The free version is limited. I believe you only get, like, one track and 10 cars uh, for free.
1: You get one area, which I think has about a few different track types. And then you get 10 cars. Mm -hmm.
0: So it's very limited. Let me say one thing right now. I fully expect some reviewers to try to review the free version of the game for some reason. And then give it like a four. Just because I don't know. But for some reason I'm just kind of stealing myself to be angry at them for that.
2: (laughs) Well actually I just want to mention too about the graphics one more time. Is... If people remember, last year at TGS, they had uh, the demo for it. Sony had the demo for Drive Club, and I was there playing it, and I thought the game was fun, and like I thought the graphics were good at the time. But to see them now, it's definitely, at least to the naked eye, like a big improvement in graphics, hmm. Like, which is really impressive because at the time last year, the, the, the graphics were, were really good even back then like they were pretty lifelike and it just felt to the naked eye that there's just little more touches to it that just makes it even more polished
1: um, um can i just ahead, talk man. about one thing before we change uh, what is cool about the game now is the fact that your avat- your car can be completely changed let's just say you want you can you can add decals you can color those decals you can repaint the car wherever you want also there's,
0: there's good customization options
1: Yeah, you can even customize your character as well. You can have a male or female customize its looks. Do you think? Do you think that
0: Drive Club is poised uh, right now to become the de facto racing game for the PlayStation Four and replace Gran Turismo?
1: Well, actually, um, evolution. If I'm rightly, don't quote me on this. Again, don't. This is from what I heard a long time ago. So, don't quote. This might not be true. This might be fake. It might be blah blah. But the original plan was to actually have Gran Turismo in the title because a lot of the staff that work are working for Evolution right now are either ex uh, Poly Poly but that polyphony, company, polyphony Polyphony staff or still work for them that are helping with Evolution Evolution Two Mate Drive Club. There was a, at one point they kind of wanted to call it. like I think it was like Drive Club Gran Turismo or whatever. Hmm. Uh, It was was like, yeah, using the Gran Turismo effect in the name, Dry Club GT or something like that. That was what they wanted to call it originally before they were turned down.
0: That is interesting, but um, I think I'm referring more to just the way consumers um, push the game, because consumers do kind of push a game. Um, One thing will come out and it'll be popular, and then another thing comes out and it becomes even more popular, and then the old thing's gone. Um, And I think I'm wondering... Do you think that could happen? Do you think that gamers could fall in love with Driveclub um to the extent that Gran Turismo is less significant for the PS4?
2: Yes. Right. And I can say that for well Ben and I are going to have a little debate here. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> I I think yes because I am not a racing fan whatsoever and when I played the demo at TGS uh it made me a racing fan. Like I wanted to play Drive Club, and I don't like racing games. Like Gran Turismo, the last Gran Turismo I played was number one on the PS1. And even then I hardly played it that much because I felt it was boring. But just the the fact that Drive Club is not built to be a de facto racing racing game, like it's just you against the time uh, because it has all these other options that allows the layman fan to have fun with. Um, and beat their friends at i think it can bring in i don't want to say the casual gamer but i mean the not the hardcore racing fan it can bring in some other people to play and and get fun out of it that
0: said do you think that the hardcore racing fan will enjoy it in the same way that they might enjoy a forza or a gran turismo
2: i think so i mean if uh if the options are the same if the options are similar i mean you can still do that whole time racing thing um a time trial, time track, whatever stuff, so that's still there it's just they had these extra options, and those extra options don't take anything away from the game they're just it's just you play the game like normal and it's just extra stuff that you you can or do if you want or you don't have to so at least as far as what the demo was concerned so it's still i think it just adds to the experience it gives those extra options for people who like it
0: i've been Researching Drive Club on and off, and I think I've learned so much about it. But what I really haven't learned much of yet is the 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 detail behind the clubs themselves. Like I, I know you can gather some friends together and form a team and, and race, but I kind of want to see how it works. And and you know, do you split up in a single race and one person goes for drifts and one person goes for time, or 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 do you? Um, do you all race toward one goal, like, or, or can you choose? Like, I, I want to see how the clubs work.
1: Okay, I can talk
0: about this. I, can, I are think. you sure? No, yeah. if, you, if you're if you not sure, don't.
1: Well, I'm going to say a little bit anyway, because okay. it's pretty much. Uh, basically, the club system works like every time you do – if you say you join my club, say, um, Ch- thank God for Chili Club.
0: Oh, my goodness. Is that what you really were going to call it?
1: No idea what I'm going to call it, but no. That would be awesome. Not. That would be that awesome. Would be <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Hashtag! Thank God for Chili Club. Anyway, <laughs> let's let's say this one's real. Um, when you say you're in my club and you do a race and I'm not online, some of the XP you gain from that race will go to the club total. You won't lose any XP. You don't. It's just bonus XP for the club. And as the club, as people in our club race, the level it goes, it gets more XP. Then as you unlock, go. So you unlock decoils uh, customization options, and you're not bonus cars that only club owners can have. But basically, any time you do a race or an event or anything, you get bonus XP and levels up for your for your club. Okay.
0: So, so, so you can do things independently, yeah. And then those things you do independently help your club. Yep. Can you do anything together as a group?
1: I think you can enter races as a group online if you want. Okay you can do anything because you can party up and lobby up if you want to okay but if that's, you don't if you, but if, if you, you can,
0: don't want to you can do things on your own that help yeah okay that's pretty cool I like that system
1: um and there's certain cars that you can only get if you reach a certain level in a in a group mm-hmm. uh like level yeah it's like level 1 I think it's 5 15 and so forth
0: um, if you are looking for a reason to get PlayStation Plus, I believe Drive Club is it. Um, if you get PlayStation Plus, that's ten bucks off Drive Club, um, the full version anyway. And if you don't want the full version, if you just want to try it out, the free version is of course free uh, and for you... PlayStation Plus owners.
1: And if you live in the UK, you can pre-order it for thirty-five pound, so it's fifteen pound cheaper than retail.
0: So uh, Drive Club and. PS Plus, you know, get them, get them soon, pre-order now. Um, Project Cars, speaking of racing games, also has some footage out, um, not as mysteriously published as the Drive Club video, but there is a video that kind of shows off its graphics and lighting, and I'm going to give these to Dane and Ben to watch right now while I talk about them. Um, There you go, guys, I just sent you the link. It's... It's definitely nothing quite as special as Drive Club. In my opinion, it does not look as good. Um, The lighting looks very nice. It's very reflective, very bright, but it looks a little fake. Um, I I will say that it looks less realistic. I'll put it that way, even though it is pretty. Um, You guys don't have to watch the whole thing. It's like five and a half minutes long. If you want to watch it at home, um, Project Cars is the title. The title of the video is Project Cars with PS4 in parentheses. So Project Cars, parentheses, PS4, and then Aston Martin V12 Vantage, um, you'll see it. It, It's showing the Aston Martin vehicle uh, going around a a really basic racing track. Um, So guys, as you're watching this right now, um, what are your thoughts? I I, I kind of want to ask you to compare it to the DriveClub one and then talk about it on its own, because in my opinion, it doesn't compare to the DriveClub one. But it still looks really good. So, so how do you feel about the Project Cars video?
1: Uh, uh, I don't know.
2: I don't know. I gotta say, I'm looking at it, and I mean, to the naked eye, it feels like it's not graphically as good as um, Drive Club. Uh, no, that could mean uh, it's just. Well, first off, I should actually change the setting so it's in 1080. Uh, <laughs> that might help a little. That would help. But that would help. Okay, okay. Maybe it's a little better now. But, mm-hmm. I mean, that is a big difference. But then again, keep in mind, if you remember when I first watched the Drive Club one, it was in 360. So, and it still blew my mind away. Um, yeah, I remember I that. The, and then no. I put it the 720 and it just, just – my eye just had um, another um, eye-gasm.
1: Yeah, an <laughs> yeah. eye-gasm. I remember that. I Dane,
0: Dane was watching. He was saying how cool it was. And then he's like, oh, I'm not even in 720p, you know? Yeah.
2: Um, I got to say, I mean, it looks cool. Now, if I don't know much about Project Car. So I got to ask, is this like a standard like track racing game? Or is this going to be like both in and out of a track environment? It's is a that-
1: simulation game.
2: Okay. Yeah. So it's in the track. Yeah. So, I mean, for, for what it is, I mean, it looks cool for being a track Um. I mean, it looks nice, but it's just something about Drive Club just, you know, blew my mind. Um, and I kind of guess the environments don't seem as crisp. The environments don't look as crisp as Drive Club did. Like, I'm looking at the buildings in the background, the far background, and they feel a little more pixelated than uh, Drive Club's backgrounds. Mm-hmm. So, um,. You know, if you want to just do like a basic graphic by graphics, then Drive Club has it. Uh, but I don't know nothing about the game, so I don't know what kind of options or extra stuff that this has that could kind of make it better or on par or worse than what Drive Club might be offering.
0: There are some people who are um, looking forward to Project Cars more than Drive Club and Drive Club mm-hmm. more than Project Cars. Um, mm-hmm. I think because they, they perceive Drive Club to be a, an arcade racing game, and I guess they prefer simulation games. Mm-hmm. If you prefer simulation racing games uh, just purely, Project Cars is going to be for you. Um, from what I've heard, I have not played Drive Club yet myself, but I am told that um, Drive Club's vehicles kind of handle like Sims, but there are different arcade like aspects to the game as well.
2: Um, I will say this, though, is um, even though I'm kind of sounding like I'm slagging on Project Cars graphics, the graphics are still pretty good. They're still really good. Um, and that said, I, I hope that this game is as good as Drive Club and both of them are as good as each other because um, the one thing to me I've been noticing the past couple generations of, of PlayStation consoles is it's basically Gran Turismo. That's all there is for, for racing, it's just when's the next Gran Turismo coming out? And there's not a lot of competition. The competition is Forza, but that's on the Xbox, there's no inner console competition. So I'm hoping that this one, that Drive Club and, and the next Gran Turismo can really step up their game and kind of have a little bit of a rivalry kind of going on to, to push their boundaries and to push their design to make them better. Absolutely. Um,
0: competition drives this industry, and with no competition, you get crappier products. So I'm, I'm very happy to see both of these racing games come out. And although with, with an asterisk, because I do notice kind of the um, respect in the line between uh, Gran Turismo and um, I, I wanted to say Destiny. No, Drive Club. <laughs> Just got Destiny on the brain. Um, so De- uh, Drive Club's coming soon within the next couple of weeks here. So start pre ordering, start looking around. Project cars, I'm not sure exactly when that comes out, but I know it's at Eurogamer right now, so probably pretty soon. Um do you know anything about that then?
1: Uh no, sorry. I I'm not sure, but you gotta remember, even if it's at Eurogamer, some of the games are out quite late like late early next year. Right so right. it could still be.
0: Was Uncharted Four there?
1: No, it wasn't there no, actually. Oh, damn. If it was there, I would be screaming. I'd be like, oh, oh, oh. ah, yeah, ah, something like that.
0: <laughs> it sounded like a vacuum cleaner. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah.
2: And the vacuum cleaner award, <laughs> at Eurogamer goes to, to
0: Ben Chalavere Hall. Yeah, that,
2: that should Yay. be a new award. That should be a new award for us. The vacuum cleaner award that goes yeah. to the most jaw-dropping moment. Absolutely. At a convention.
0: (laughs) That would be amazing. (laughs) Purely amazing. Um, Before we shift completely off of Project Cars, an article went out saying that, oh, my goodness, Project Cars looks good on the Xbox One, too. So, um... Oh,
1: my God.
0: my, My simple reply to that is, well, freaking duh. Um... But anyway, let's move on from uh, from that for now. And
2: I hope it was looking good on the Xbox One. Otherwise, that's just, just more problems that system's no, having.
0: It's just fine. I don't know why people are, are so surprised. I mean, Call of Duty, uh, someone posted an article um, about Call of Duty, and they were talking about how uh, the developers were running into a hurdle or something with the Xbox One. This is the title, and I quote, Dev-facing problems in COD Advanced Warfare, Xbox One development, comma, Resolution Gate, question mark, bigger Jeez. PS4 exclusive teased. Um, and the tease is from Insider Tidux, so I'm not even going to bother with that. Um, he just said that there's one thing in his bag and it's bigger, it's a PS4 exclusive, whatever. But, um... He, this article by Seren Scheik, I can't pronounce the name, I apologize, I, I know I butchered it. Um, he basically went on to say yeah, fans are expecting this on the PS4, but they're questioning this on Xbox One. Um, they don't really say they said I think Sledgehammer Games was facing some issues and Microsoft has wanted to come out and, and help, um, but really they didn't really say too much about it. Like They, they didn't Say anything, and all it's really doing is making people wonder, oh, you know, is it 1080p or is it 900? Like, if you scroll down below this article, I think the scroll bar, you know, you go down about maybe 90%, uh, maybe to maybe 10%, you go down 10%. The other 90% is just comments about, just fighting about whether it's going to be 1080p or 900p and whatnot. And let me be honest, from, from the perspective of this podcast, um, last episode I think I like talked my throat, talked my tonsils out um, about like graphics and resolution and, and teraflops and all of this stuff. And so when I see stuff like this, it's like, really guys, I just talked about this. Come on. But, you know, we don't reach everybody, obviously. But it, it's just really frustrating me to see this pointless resolution argument continue when there's so much more to the game and, and even to the graphics than that. But anyway, um, yeah, there's there's this whole thing about the resolution, but Project Cars, back to the subject, Project Cars is going to be just fine on either console. Doesn't matter if it's 900p, you're not going to die. Your, your eyes are not going to fall out by looking at a 900p picture, all right? It's going to look brilliant on either
2: console. It's number salt. It's all it is. is. It's number salt. It's how many... Yeah. I mean, how many people, like, really can tell the difference between, like, 900 and 1080?
0: No one can tell. And one of of the comments said, well, people are going to have 1080p TVs. Yeah, that's true. But if you have a 1080p TV, it's also probably capable of displaying a 720p picture with similar fidelity. Yeah. like like some of them run on on different modes, and so you know if you're looking at a a 720p resolution, it's going to switch to that mode so that it can display that properly. You know, so it, it's not like you're looking on a giant wall-to-wall big screen. Uh, that you might notice something, but even then, probably not. You know,
2: you're gonna have to be like really nitpicky and say, "Wow, man." That pixel is just not shaded as properly as that other pixel. There, so. there is
0: one less speck of dust on this screen than that screen. <laughs> um, I think I'm going to take this back. It's not worth it. Right. I want to see all. I, I want to see 100,000 of uh, specks of dust, not 999 uh, or 99,999. All 100,000. All of them. But anyway,
1: I want all the peas. <laughs> my goodness,
0: all the peas. That's not even what. Uh, my goodness. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> let's move along right now and talk about Final Fantasy Fifteen. Um, last week actually offered, a, and when I say last week, I mean the, the week before last week because it's uh, Saturday night as we're recording this, but it's going to be Monday when you hear this. Um, so we heard some stuff about. Final Fantasy, including its fantastic cast, um, awesome. Yeah, I mean, everyone's making a big deal about it, but you know, whatever. Um, Final Fantasy's director has given a little bit of information about the the clear time, the, the time that it takes to get through the game, and um, from start to finish, he says that it's going to take forty hours. Uh, right now, the game is roughly fifty to sixty percent complete. There's going to be a demo coming very soon. Um, Here's a quote. He says, I think, in general, the playtime for the demo is about an hour. Uh, however, it, it, for, he didn't say from the demo. I'm, I'm putting that in there. Uh, however, that's if you use the car to get around. Uh, by the way, you can also play it for additional challenges so you can spend more time with it. For example, in order to obtain a strong weapon, you can venture into the dungeon that has monsters stronger than the ones above ground. Um, so the 40 hours, um, he says the actual game will take about 40 hours to clear. That's talking start to finish, just story. That I don't think that includes the side quests and whatnot. Um, so a good long game, as Final Fantasy is very well known for. Um, Dane, I know the answer to this question already, but are you looking forward to spending at least 40 hours in the world of
2: Final Fantasy fifteen? What, uh, what do you think my answer is? Um, heck yes uh i say that with indecision that's my answer there's no lightning so i don't care as much there's no lightning in it so So
0: you're not going to care about any final fantasy game ever again that doesn't have lightning in it no
2: no i'm just joking um (laughs) i was uh, about to say like dane i'm I'm joking I, i have to i have to keep up for appearances um no i think i think it'll be cool um I mean, I've played all the Final Fantasies before. I'm actually really as as weird as it might sound. I'm interested in this new fantastic cast uh, because my friend and I were joking about it that it's it sounds like it's just like a giant bro-fest. It's like you're on a you're on a a road trip is what it looks like. It's like Final Fantasy Road Trip Edition, <laughs> um, and I think that's really cool. And because um, one, what, what was it, Final Fantasy? uh 102 had an all female cast and so it'd be interesting to see what they do with an all male cast and uh, uh if it's 40 hours that's a good that's a good length of time my thing is as long as the story is more clear as much as i as much as i love lightning the the story for the first couple final fantasy 3 uh, 13 games were kind of convoluted and uh hard to follow at times, so I'm hoping this is a more clear-cut story uh, for, the, uh, for every fan to, to get into instead of having to wait like five hours before you figure out what is going on.
0: Right. Um, I believe, actually no, I know, here it is. Um, the director uh, also said, and I quote, you'll get the opportunity to drive around in which case you can expect the demo to last for three to four hours. Uh, Should you elect to walk everywhere, that will extend how much time the demo takes you to play through. So, in short, you decide how long the demo is, but we're giving you an hour of contact.
2: Um. Pretty good. I mean, uh, and the fact that you get to choose between road trip or walk trip sounds pretty neat. Mm -hmm. So, I just wonder if that car is going to take damage at any point, or if it's going to be the invincible car like every typical game has because I mean that would be pretty cool if it's like it really is Final Fantasy Road Trip Edition and your car just suddenly breaks down in the middle of the road and you're like well we got to hike it to the next gas station guys my
0: my big tip for um, everyone looking forward to this game is play the game and stop counting all the penises and vaginas just play the game Um, can I say that? yes I can say that you can say that well you said it so I said it Take that. Um, ben, what are you thinking?
1: Oh, I can't wait. Can't wait. Bro team. Woo, bro fists. Woo, uh-huh. awesome. I really can't wait. I, I, you know what? We've had an all-female cast for 10.2. We've had female leads for 13, 13.2, and 13.3. Uh, so I, I want, I'm i happy that we're finally getting an all-male team at last. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, let me be honest, I guess I can understand why it's newsworthy that this Final Fantasy game is, is seems to have an all-male cast, because usually Final Fantasy does have a lot of female, um, um, playable females in it, I should say. Uh, so it is. I guess it is an unusual move that it would now have com- a completely male cast. Um, again, this doesn't mean that there are no females in the game, I think it references one of them, um, his girlfriend, at some point, um, but... As far as playable characters, it is an unusual step.
2: I mean, it shouldn't be newsworthy. Like, to be honest, and I'll go on a tangent right here, is none of this, the characters should never be newsworthy. And I think it takes away from the game when everyone is focusing entirely on, oh, who's the cast? Is it going to be a male lead? Is it going to be a female lead? Is it going to be this? Is it going to be that? I mean, you play the game for the story. You play the game for the game. I've written before that if the characters happen to be or at least the protagonist happens to be the same race, gender, sexual orientation or whatever as the, the, the player, that's just, a, that's just a plus. That's just an added plus. Um, it shouldn't be expected. It's just a plus because it's like books, right? Like video games are interactive books. And so you play it, you put in a new game. It's like, okay, this is who the character is. This is the story. And you deal with it. If you don't like it, then you don't play the game. You go put the game down. You pick up a different game, just like how you pick up one book. You don't like it after five pages. You put it down. You pick up another book. I mean, uh, to keep talking about all of this like gender politics and everything, and I know I'm being hypocritical because I'm going on a rant about it now, but it just ruins the fun of games because then suddenly you're wondering like if you're getting pushed an agenda. If this game is this way because someone complained about it and got things changed and now some ideological agenda is being pushed towards you. Um, I was seeing stuff yesterday about, um, I don't know what game it was, I forget what it is, but like pronouns are being changed in games to be more gender neutral instead of using he or she. You're getting up all these weird new ones or something like that, which is probably not what was in the japanese translation and then they're changing things or whatever i'm like no i just want my game what is what is the game don't give me any type of propaganda and stuff like that if that's not how the game originally is well then don't change it just give it give it to me in its natural state and if i want to play it great if not then i will play something else
0: you know all this stupid pc tiptoeing really ticks me off man like i don't who gives a crap if you say he or she? If it's a boy, say he. It's a boy. Like There's no pronoun that's going to change who he is.
2: But and if, it's, and if you don't know, just say it. I mean, that's what it was made for. I mean, are we going to change cousin it to something else? Do you know cousin it? Everyone see the Adams family? No,
0: I have not seen
2: the Addams family. I oh, haven't. man. There you go. There's this character who's like, you don't know what it is. 'Cause it's just this walking piece of hair. Like the person the thing's hair, it covers the entire body completely, like literally completely. And so it's it is called cousin it. You don't you don't know if it's a guy or a girl. That's it's so just weird. cousin it. That's so and it's weird. and it's hilarious. I mean it's a, a hilarious character because <laughs> because it has this squeaky voice that you do not know. It sounds what a bit like about.
1: Sounds like a bit like Squeaky Gary when he's on.
2: Yeah. I mean <laughs> you you can kinda guess that maybe maybe it's a guy because he like takes someone's wife by the end of the first movie. But that's just an assumption. I mean, yeah, it, could it could be, be a gay. girl under... Yeah, it could, be, it could be... Well, it could be a lesbian, yeah, that's underneath there. Yeah. Who knows? But it's just really funny. And then that mystique of the character is now gone if suddenly you're forcing people to change its name from it to, like, uh, here or sheer or some other... Weirded up new name, and I know I'm going to get into crap for saying yeah. stuff like that. But it I mean, has to be
1: PC, so it's going to be uh, cousin, shortly challenged, hairly uh, challenged person. I'll,
0: I'll say, I'll say this: um, I'm really glad that um, American society, at least, is is working to become more respectful of other cultures and other different types of people, and a bit more inclusive. But it's now entered this phase where it has to tiptoe around everything. It's like the, the, the outright racism and sexism is, is, has been brought down somewhat. And now it's all about, um, okay, let's make absolutely certain every little piece of the puzzle is where it needs to be. But, you know, that's not really in the spirit of, you know... And I'm not going to say tolerance because I, stu- I hate that stupid word. You know, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't tolerate people. All right. I I don't just, you know, oh, he's black. I'm going to tolerate him. No, he's a freaking person. All right. I'm going to treat him like a freaking person. Um, That's that's not tolerance. That's that's just humanity. All right. Um, So, I mean, I I guess there. But for lack of a better term right now, I guess I'll just use it. Um, This quote unquote tolerance that that people are learning they're, they're now just saying, oh, we, well, we have to put everything in its little place, but that's not really in the spirit of humanity, of treating people the way they need to be treated. That's just, putting the, that's just following the rules, right? That's just following the, the, the rules, the guidelines, that's checking items off of the list. That's not treating people right, okay? So all of this stuff, I wish it would just go away, and I wish people would just learn how to treat each other, because this whole thing is ridiculous, and I'm really sick of seeing it. It's meaningless. It's absolutely meaningless. And I don't see why everyone thinks it's going to make a big difference. But I, I don't think it is.
2: And we're a bunch of hypocrites for even talking about it still. <laughs> um, anyway, let's move
0: forward. Uh, Far Cry 4 is Ubisoft's upcoming first-person shooter. Uh, open world, no no less, uh, set in the Himalayas. However, when before it was decided that Ubisoft would take this to the Himalayas... There were some other environments discussed, such as Russia and South America. Um, Ubisoft senior-level designer for Far Cry 4, his name is um, Vincent Ouellette, and I know he's French, so I probably completely mispronounced that. Um, there were all sorts, and this is at GamerHeadlines.com, that's where I'm reading this from. He says, a, l- a number of different concepts for the game setting were thrown about, all with varying stories and characters. Um, Ouellette said at Eurogamer, It wasn't like BAM right on Himalayas, we were looking at the whole world at the same time. Um, We were looking at South America, Russia, we looked pretty much everywhere, but pretty early on we realized the Himalayas would be great. Well, it also said um, about the studio and the Far Cry 3 level design director, Mark Thompson, they have a good idea of the market, it's good, they have different and interesting ideas on how each could go. Thompson, again, that's Far Cry 3's level design director, Mark Thompson. He did the different pitches because not only did we have different ideas for locations, but also different ideas for stories. There was a premise or story idea for each location that was picked. But the more we dug in each location, the more we were sure the Himalayas were perfect for a Far Cry game. So what do you think of a Russia for the um, for, for Far Cry 4 or a South America, what what kind of story could we have that's gotten a, for that? It's a
2: Gary question right there. Back to the motherland in Russia. <laughs> I think we'd be seeing some KGB goodness is what I'd say.
1: I, I want a cameo from Gary if it was in Russia. Yeah.
2: He's not um, like he's not like the only Russian person. He's the only <laughs> Russian person on cast though. Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> he's um, the only
1: one I know, so I yeah. still want a cameo of him.
2: <laughs> that would be fun. I mean, I think as long as it's not like this American like flag thumping fest. No offense to American fans out there. I think it'd be pretty cool to see a, f- a future Far Cry game in, in Russia. I would just, uh, I would just be like a bit ho hum if it's another rah rah USA Russia's gonna suck type of game especially with the political climate the way it is right now. But, you know, even if it was that, I'd I'd still probably play it because Far Cry is fun. But I just think it would be nice to have something completely new and fresh in that respect. South America, I think, would be even cooler of a location because South America doesn't get a lot of loving. Uh, The last game I played that took place in South America was either Just Cuz 2 or uh, Mercenaries 2. So that's like a location that does not get a lot of uh, the loving that it needs to be getting.
0: The The American flag-thumping thing, I, it's interesting you say that, because um, that would really kind of turn me off of the game as well, quite frankly. And let me be honest, I joke around sometimes and say that I hate people and that I, I hate everybody. I don't. I'm, I'm not like that. But sometimes people really do frustrate me Um and you know Americans as a group tend to be like that we tend to think that um oh we're better than everybody we're the be- we have to be the best at this we have to be the best at that there's no way x in so in y country could possibly be better than us um and you know some pride in your country is not a bad thing to have but we overdo it sometimes and and then we we show our ignorance in just the worst like for instance um i was in walmart this summer and um I'm leaving, it's late at night, and so some of the employees are getting off, and one of the employees was coming behind me, buying a few things, and this lady, um, the la- one of the ladies who was attending the self-checkout line, she, she's black, and so um, when I say black, I mean she's very black, I don't mean she's like me, she has the, 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 the black scent and all that stuff. And Just so, a black scent? Yes, a black scent. And so what she says, she's, she's calling out loudly over everybody to her friend, so that's a no-no. But um, she, she she says, and I quote, How you being? How you being? And it sounds to me totally like she's saying, how, you, how are you paying? Like, how are you paying for your items? How you paying? How you being? She
1: said, How you being?
0: Well, this is not her talking. This is me trying to imitate her. But to my ears, it sounded like she said, How you paying? Um, and that's precisely what her friend thought she was saying. So she's like, you know, she's holding up her credit card. She's like, "I'm paying with my credit card. I'm just paying credit, you know, whatever." And she's just saying again and again, "How you been? How you been?" And and she 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 has to like leave her station, and come over to get that she's actually asking, "How are you, how how have you been?" Instead of "How are you paying?" Um, and I that's all fine, you know. People misunderstand each other, especially when they have accents. That's that's America. Like you have different dialects and different people, but then she, what, what made me shake my head, what, what frustrated me and made me feel at that moment like, oh my goodness, I hate Americans right now, is when it was clear and when she said, oh, how have you been? I've been good. Um, she, this lady goes, what you think? What you think I'd be saying? Ching chong chicken fried rice, <laughs> and it's like. What? It's like, that's, that's a direct quote. That's a direct quote. That's exactly what she said. And at that point, I was just like, dude, you're so ignorant. You are so freaking ignorant, because I can barely understand you. And I'm black, too. I barely, I can barely tell what you're saying. And you're sitting there, like, basically making fun of how um, Asians talk and making, and you know, the, the fried rice or whatever, you know, that's. It it was off the cuff. It wasn't malicious or anything.
2: Not black and easy enough. You're not black and easy enough, Glenn. (laughs) It it wasn't malicious or
0: anything, but it it was just so dreadfully ignorant. And, and, you know, we tend to be like that. We tend to be like, oh, America is the best. And yet we're so ignorant of everything else that's out there. And, and And we just kind of assume that we're the best. And in many cases, we're not.
2: I want to see a game where America loses. No offense to the American fans and my American friends, but we've never really seen that game where America loses the war. To the British. To the British or anywhere. I think that would be interesting because it's always, oh, they get the crap beat out of them. See Homefront, see um, a bunch of other games, which I forget that are on the PS2 but they always come back and win. But I want to see one where they lose. Not because I want America to lose, but just because it's so unexpected yeah. and it's so new and it's so fresh of a story that like people are trying to find new ideas. Well, What's the idea that's always used? America wins in the end. Well, flip it, right? Russia wins or England wins or somewhere else wins the war or make it the world versus America or, or something new and, and interesting and uh, to get butts in the seats, That kind so of reminds
0: speak. me of, of an idea I'd like to see. Lately, I've been reading um, the Divergent series by Veronica Roth. Uh, by the way, if you have read Divergent uh, and, and you want to watch the movie, don't expect much. Uh, the movie, obviously, there are differences in the movie, and, and a lot of people like to try to compare Divergent to Hunger Games. Um, Divergent, for one, is not Hunger Games. It's, it's the same kind of story, but don't expect to read Divergent and be like, oh, this is just like Hunger Games, because it's not. But anyway, the movie tells the story poorly. Um, it's not just the differences in the story in the movie, it's just poorly told, it's disjointed. All of that aside,
1: um, I love. Oh, the by the way, one second. I still think Hunger Games is a poorly written version of Battle Royale.
2: Yes, I, yes. Thank you to all the Battle Royale fans out there.
0: Um, I don't know what Battle Royale is, but um, what was I saying? <laughs> you, Something not about, divergent. about Divergent. Divergent. The the thing that I love about um Divergent story is it kind of takes place in a a post war america in fact you it takes place in chicago and and the only way you know that this takes place in chicago is in the very beginning of the first book it addresses um a building it calls it the hub and it says that it was formerly known as the sears tower and as you're taken throughout the story of divergent like you start to recognize things about it it's like you um you recognize the marsh as like lake michigan and lake erie um you, you recognize all these things, but it's totally post-war. Lake Erie and Lake Michigan are dried up, and now they're just called the Marsh. And you now the character's just wondering about how it might have looked one day long ago when it was full of water as far as the eye could see. And it's like, you know, there's been all this stuff that's happened to America, and America's just not the same place. It's broken. It is so broken. And you have this story of um, goodness, the, the main character, Beatrice Pryor, And her group of people—I'm not going to say too much about it for those of you who haven't read it yet—and they're just trying to live in this new setting where there are all these different factions, and you have to tailor your personality to one of them. And and, you know that kind of thing would make for a really good video game story, because America sounds like The Division. Oh, I I don't know too much about The Division yet, but I know that like America is like something happened to America, and it's just broken right now. And there's just all this stuff going on. Like you can get so many good stories from, you know, from something like that. I'm tired of – everyone talks about saying, oh, I'm tired of seeing white people on top. I'm kind of tired of seeing America on top, you know? Yeah. And, well, and- I
2: th- I think part of the problem is – one, part of the problem is the fact that it it's not that it's too easy. It's just that like – uh, to put it into a geographical location, for example, not talking about the race thing, but just geographics. Like New York is such a hub, Los Angeles is such a hub that the world knows it all over. That it's just so easy to put it there. It's like, oh, we're we're doing the next Marvel movie in New York, or the next uh, you know video game is in New York because everyone knows New York. It's that. just so so simple. Uh, but part of the problem of that is no one else is going to get the the spotlight on it. Like, New York is just so popular because everyone puts the spotlight on New York. I'm tired of that. It's the same, like, in Canada. Like, all the big, uh, like, TV series in Canada usually took place in, at least the English ones, took place in Toronto, Right, because Toronto's the biggest city, the biggest English-speaking city, so everyone in Canada knows about Toronto instead of like Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, or like Moncton, New Brunswick. Like, no one really knows much about it because of the geographical um, uh, spread. It's so Canada's so big, so it's like okay, we'll just put it in Toronto because everyone knows it. It's simple; people can get into it. Uh, if it's French, French Canada, it's probably most likely Montreal. Because then again, everyone knows about Montreal, even if you're English. Uh, and so, but again, part of the problem is they're they're so known because that's where the spotlight is on. That's where people are putting the spotlight on. Now, that's not to say I'm, I'm going to not play a game because it's in Toronto for the 50th time or it's in New York for the 50th time. But I think, like you were saying, you can get a whole new type of story, a whole new atmosphere uh, if you put it in a different location, like that's what I did with my book. I'm like, it's not in New York. It's not in Toronto. I put it in somewhere. No one would expect a book to be, to take place. Buy book. Uh, yeah, yeah. Buy my book. It's only 99 cents. Shameless plug. But, um, it's just, you, you miss out on opportunities, especially since this is fiction, Right. This isn't, this isn't like a non-fiction piece. This isn't a non-fiction game or historical game. You can make it any way you want. If you want to have, say, uh, Halifax, Nova Scotia as like half Japanese suddenly, well, you can make it because nothing's stopping you from doing that because it's fiction. So um, if you're trying to be, if you're trying not to be realistic, well, you can just change things to your heart's content. And and stuff like that, and uh, you get a lot more flavor out of it.
0: Well, Far Cry 4 is definitely set to be in the Himalayas. I don't know if there's a release date for it just yet. Um, November. November? Okay, excellent. So it's coming out in November. One second. It's coming out in November. Um, Keep your eyes out for it, and keep. Goodness, I I love. Uh. I've never played Far Cry. But this villain that they have is really compelling, and so I'm interested to see. It's awesome. I
2: saw the trailer months ago. That villain is just awesome. The voice actor is amazing.
1: November 21st for Europe, and November 18th for North America.
0: Okay, so the 21st and the 18th, respectively. Uh, Look for Far Cry 4. It's available for pre order right now.
1: Uh, Remby got the Collector's Edition for pre order, the Cry Out Edition, where you get a statue based on the actual villain and some
0: other stuff as well um let's talk xbox for just a little while um first of all if you have an xbox uh 360 or an xbox one xbox has released its new games with gold list for october um the old list is gone i believe and the new list has arrived um so chariot uh for usually fourteen ninety nine dollars uh, will be available from October 1st to October 31st for Xbox One. And that's an indie game, by the way. Uh, Battlefield Bad Company 2 will be available from the 1st to the 15th on 360. And Darksiders 2 will be available for the second half uh, from the 16th to the 31st on Xbox 360 as well. Uh, so if you have an Xbox and you have uh, Xbox Live Gold, which you absolutely should have if you have an Xbox... Um, look for those to be available for you in October this coming month I, I can't believe October is almost here already um, I, I'm happy the time's going because that means I graduate sooner um, from college um, so while we're talking about Xbox uh, insomniac games has called sunset overdrive quote the biggest game we've ever made um, which is I guess newsworthy but to me not really on un- oh my goodness I'm doing happy of course, IGN decides to play videos by itself. IGN, I hate you for that. You know, let me click play by myself. So sorry for that interruption. I don't know if you guys heard it, but I heard it, and it's definitely in the recording. Um, so anyway, uh, at Eurogamer, Insomniac had Ted Price talked about his hope for... Uh, um, Sunset Overdrive. Uh, he wants it to be a new franchise. He wants it to uh, be something that they can continue going into the future. Um, and it is the biggest thing that they've ever made, which isn't surprising because really what we've m- seen most from them was um, Ratchet and Clank, and then Fuse, I believe, which wasn't very successful. Um, so I, I guess that's th- that would definitely make Sunset Overdrive the biggest Insomniac game to date. Um still hoping for a new Ratchet & Clank. The, the remake is coming along with the movie just early next year. Um, so I'm going to be buying that for sure, but I'd still love to see a new Ratchet & Clank. Um, so hopefully it might not be the biggest game Insomniac ever makes. But um, what really drew my eyes in this article um, was this part here. And I quote, this is on IGN. It says, what happened for developers not using the Connect?" Um, is that there was a slight boost in CPU power that we got to take advantage of. Uh, This game really does push the limits when it comes to the number of enemies on screen, so it was useful for us to have more CPU juice to help with physics, navigation, and AI. We're running at 900p and 30 frames per second native. It's a game with a lot on the screen, and we made the choice to be at 900 because we wanted to push the level of detail, action, the size of the city, and the views you can experience as you move around. What's great about Sunset Overdrive is if you can see it, you can go there. Um, I was—I I don't know why, but I was kind of surprised at the Kinect thing. I, that, to me, really puts into perspective the amount of um, CPU power that the Kinect was really wasting um, for a lot of gamers. And um, the choice to be at 900, um, 900 pixels tall, I believe, 900 pixels tall and 30 frames per second. Um, The fact that the Kinect would have made it impossible, as it implies, the Kinect wouldn't have made it possible uh, for it to be at 930 and yet still do all all of what they accomplished. Um, So how do you feel about Sunset Overdrive, which is coming out, by the way, October 28th in North America and 31st in Europe, only on Xbox One? How do you guys feel about um, what's being said here?
1: If I'm bri- okay, from rightly the Xbox One Connect takes about fifteen percent of the CPU, or as it originally did. Um, so yeah, it's a big, pretty big jump actually. To be honest, yeah. Uh, in some ways, I wish they'd scale back the enemies and get 1080p because that would be better than having a load of enemies, or scale down the enemies and try and push it to be sixty frames per second because. For a fast-paced action hack-and-slash game, in my opinion, 60 frames is always better For because it is so fast-paced. Most games don't need it, I'll agree. Most games do not need to be 60 frames, unlike what everyone says. It doesn't have to be, but for a game that is hack-and-slash and fast-paced, I think 60 frames stable is what they should be aiming for if they can.
0: I can agree with that. I can agree with that. Although today, most games have been using, I mean, 30 frames per second is, has been a standard for a while. Yeah. So it's not like it's anything new.
1: Yeah, but if if you've got a choice between the two, I, I, more enemies or 60 frames, then I think you should go for the 60 frame option, in my opinion. Right. I know we're used to it, but that doesn't mean that things can't just change eventually and get people used to getting to 60 frames. It has to happen eventually. It just takes baby steps.
0: Absolutely.
2: Um, Dane, anything to think about there? Uh, honestly, no, because I'll be honest, I know zero about Sunset, Sunset Overdrive, so I can't make an informed comment on anything about this game.
0: You know, I was almost going to buy an Xbox One today.
2: For Sunset Overdrive?
0: No, just in general. But... The, what's when that ended up stopping me is um, my friend, Mike, he has a Xbox One. He lives right down the road from me. Mm-hmm. And I went over there, and I, I played around with the system, kind of got to know it a little bit. I went into the store, and, and, you know, it's interesting. This is exactly what stopped me from buying an Xbox 360 last generation. Um, I went into the store, and I found that, you know, there wasn't very much that I wanted to play, that I couldn't already play on my PlayStation 4. Like, everything was multiple platform, um, except for, like, of course, Forza, Dead Rising, which I'm not going to touch because it has zombies, and I don't care about it because it has zombies. <laughs> um, it, it had, I guess, Killer Instinct. It had, um, it, you know, it had those kinds of games. Uh, Titanfall was another one that I was, I guess, interested in. But really... For, for the two games, this is exactly what stopped me last time. Last time it was Fable, Forza, and Halo. And for Halo's not out yet. I'm, I'm not really that interested in the Master Chief collection because I don't have that nostalgia factor for it. Um, I'd probably just get it because a friend has it. Um, there was just nothing there that was for me that I really couldn't get on my PlayStation 4. So if you're looking to own both consoles, if you have a PlayStation 4 already and are thinking about buying an Xbox One, if you do buy it, buy it for the future because right now there's no reason to. Um, I have a PS4, so I guess I can't really gauge that the same way backward um, if you have an Xbox One and are thinking of getting a PS4. Um, except I think, in my opinion, the, the exclusives on PS4 are more compelling. But, um, of course, that's up to your own personal preference. So, I don't know. I, I almost got an Xbox One today, but I'm going to have to wait because there's just nothing that I really want to play right now, it would end up being a paperweight until, uh, I mean, I'd get, I'd get Sunset Overdrive. I'd get Sunset Overdrive, but it would probably be a paperweight until Fable Legends comes out or something like that.
2: Well, that's, that's the same with me right now with the PS4. Like, if I bought a PS4 right now, it would just be a giant paperweight mm-hmm. because all the games that I would want to play or have played, well, they're still cross-platform on the PS3. Mm-hmm. So what what do I need a PS4 for when I, they're still all coming out on the PS3? So um, I think if people, for any system, if the games aren't out, just save your money. Because video games always depreciate. Very few games appreciate. So it's just, it's going to get cheaper. And save your money for when it's cheaper. And that's the 100 bucks you save on the system. There's a game. Or... You know, by waiting on the games, well, they're going to get cheaper and stuff. Don't buy the game now and save it. Just wait for it's cheaper because it'll either be digital, which means it's infinite. There's infinite copies. Or you can get it cheap at your local electronics boutique or GameStop or whatever your store is called. Game. (laughs) Very,
0: very succinct name. Game.
2: Game.
0: Game. Game. (laughs) Sounds like a Super Smash Brothers command. Um... (laughs) <laughs> Dane, yes, you had something you wanted to educate me about.
2: Apparently, because uh, you you weren't following it. Yeah. So, uh, what am I educating you about?
0: You are educating me about Gamergate.
2: Yes, Gamergate, something that has been breaking news in the video game industry for the past month—literally a past month. That's <laughs> something when the internet can, when the internet's collective consciousness can handle something for a month and isn't like a gnat or a goldfish and forgets about it in six seconds. Yeah,
0: that sounds about right, yeah.
2: Yeah, so, uh, well, GamerGate is uh, something that people probably would have wanted me to talk about because I always like to ramble on and on and on about uh, politics and all of social stuff and all of that, but GamerGate right now is this big... New Controversy in Gaming About Journalism Ethics. Oh, where wh- we go. It's, it's what it's about. It's about journalism ethics in the gaming industry. Okay. And so how, how this started was there's this, uh, there's this uh, YouTuber. And for full disclosure, I follow this guy on YouTube. I'm a subscriber. So this is how I, I found out about it. So, full disclosure, his name is Mundane Matt. That's the name of his YouTube channel. And he did some, uh, he did an article. uh, I forget exactly what the article was about. uh, Because, or the video was about, because it was like over a month ago. But it was criticizing something about this developer named Zoe Quinn. And something happened, and Zoe Quinn got his video taken down, which sparked this, Bit of like censorship outcry, and then um, oh, that's right. He was talking about how her ex-boyfriend uh, wrote this insanely huge like story about her sleeping with uh, journalists and people uh, in the gaming industry, uh, and you know it was this weird situation. And so Monday, Matt made this video about it, and she got it taken down off of YouTube by flagging it. And uh, because of that, the internet took storm and we got this video called The Conspiracy Theory by Internet Aristocrat. Full disclosure, I follow him on YouTube as well uh, because he's a funny guy. And talking about how uh, ethics in gaming, in gaming journalism is going downhill because you have people in positions of power uh, at Kotaku and Polygon and others, like major supposedly influential sites that get lots of hits. They are doing unethical things like sleeping with developers and doing articles about uh, material from those developers. And so, you know, the crap hit the fan. And so we got this thing called Gamergate because people like Zoe Quinn and Anita Sarkeesian and them are trying to turn the narrative around. And instead of the narrative being about uh, ethics in journalism, which is what the whole situation is, because no one cared the fact that she slept with five guys in the gaming industry to to pimp out her product. No one cares about that. What they care about is the fact that um, it's a conflict of interest, right? You're supposed to have ethics as a real journalist. But instead, they're trying to get the narrative turned around and say, oh, gamers are just misogynists and they hate women. So that's why recently, if you've been following in the gaming press, you've been being bombarded with articles about, uh, you know, being a gamer is dead. Gamers are dead. We don't need gamers, you know, quote, unquote, the term gamer, which a lot of us call ourselves. If you play video games, you usually call yourself a gamer. And so you have this big concerted effort from these sites trying to basically slag on gamers and call them misogynists and other hurtful words like that. Because honestly, if you're a misogynist, that's supposed to be bad, right? For people who, who know what that means. Uh, so what Gamergate is, it's a hashtag. It's hashtag Gamergate, which is on Twitter. And it's about it's just normal gamers who are fighting back against this corrupt press regime that are trying to spin a narrative, this social justice warrior type of narrative, uh, and, you know, put it on us, that there's something wrong with us as gamers rather than there being something wrong with uh, journalists in the industry. And it's getting to the point where uh, documents have been leaked out, where a lot of these major sites have a secret email groups where they talk to each other about things, coordinating uh, efforts on articles and stuff like that. So that's why you saw, uh, if you're following Kotaku, Polygon, and others, basically have the exact same article essentially written within the same day. Like You go to the site and it's like, oh, gamers are dead. Our gamers dead. Here's why gamers are dead. Same type of theme, all in the same day from multiple numerous sites. And it's just turning into this giant, crazy crap storm. And so if you want to get all the major details about it, you know, go to Internet Aristocrat. His channel has a lot of information about it. Go to Mundane Mats. He has a lot of information about it. I mean, you even have – it's to the point where um, academics, like real academics are talking about this issue. Like – There's this one uh, feminist academic, her name is Suzanne Somers, S-O-M-M-E-R-S, and uh, she wrote this, wrote, I mean, she did a video on her YouTube channel talking about our video game Sexist, uh, talking about how all they're not sexist and there's this co-opting movement from radical feminists in gaming and journalism to try to to spin this narrative. And I mentioned her specifically because you had sites basically uh, bragging on her, basically uh, making fun of her for that video, for her opinion, for her research and stuff, which is kind of interesting uh, how just what a giant cluster crap of the situation is. I mean, just listening to me talk about it, it seems a bit... Uh, disjointed, but because it is a, just a disjointed time in gaming that is going to be interesting for the next couple of months to see what is going to happen with journalists and if you can actually trust them or not, like the paid professional journalists, the guys who have their masters in journalism and stuff from these major, major websites that are getting like millions and millions of hits a month and stuff. So, um, if you are interested in any of this, uh, please go to Internet Aristocrat or Mundane Matt's channels uh, and uh, Suzanne Summers' channels uh, to, you know, get a lot more in-depth information about it.
0: Oh wow! I mean, <laughs> it, it, to me that's kind of frustrating, to be honest. Because, um, well, it, let first let me say this tell the truth, I do believe there is something wrong with the way a lot of gamers treat girls. Um, But when I say that, I don't mean like girls that are actually in the video games that they're playing. I mean actual girl gamers. Um, Because I have been in situations where I'd invite my friend who is a girl to play. I I do have a couple friends who are gamer girls, like hardcore gamer girls. And, you know, I'll invite them into a game and, and... a lot of the people there's this acronym i learned g-i-r-l guy in real life um (laughs) i don't know i I don't really understand why i i I, i've heard them say why but I i don't get it i guess um a lot of guys tend to like to play female characters and the number one explanation i get for this is well we don't like looking at a man's butt the whole game and my reply is, if you are so worried that you're going to look at a man's butt um, when it's really the, the character is just really an array of pixels, there's that says something more about you than it does about the character. Um, because it's it's a freaking character. You really can't play the game without looking down south. Seriously, that's re- that's really the only way you can prevent yourself from seeing the horror but anyway that's a different story um a lot of pe- guys, people tend to a lot of guys tend to play female characters but um when you actually me- listen girls don't tend to play male characters i haven't met a girl yet that plays a male character they tend to see
2: play- glenn just just to cut you off for a second i think you're kind of proving what I I was talking about is this has nothing to do with sexism. It's getting disjointed again where you're talking about this issue when this entire Gamergate issue is about ethics and journalism and it has nothing to do with gender or race or anything like that. And already we can see this is not talking about that specific area.
0: Well, I I do wish you would have let me finish because I was going Uh, somewhere with it, but now I'm now I'm starting to lose my track. Uh, <laughs> I I've been saying that the way I do believe that there is something wrong with the way gamers do treat and, and think about women. Um, I mean, a lot of gamer girls tend to be harassed, and that is a, a gender thing. But what the, the the way that the, I, I've completely lost my track now.
2: Shoot. Anyway, move on. Well, no, but what I'm saying is, like, what what it's you're you're doing exactly what um, I was. I was ma- the main the mainstream uh, gaming media is doing is nothing about Gamergate has to do with misogyny or sexism or anything. Like the first thing you talked about wasn't ethics. The first thing you talked about was sexism, well, and that's but- not what this Gamergate is. Is my, to they, and listen this, to
0: me. My problem yeah. is, I was starting there. You didn't let me go where I was going.
2: Well, I know because this is exactly like one of the things you, uh, th- what a lot of people are complaining about is they initially go there. They don't initially go to ethics, they start off with <laughs> this other stuff, right? Okay. I know what you're well. saying, Glenn. I know what you're saying. You were eventually going to get there. But the problem is, is, you never got there.
0: I didn't first. get there because you cut me off. <laughs>
2: I know, but anyways, let's let's continue.
0: Well, you continue. I mean, I've lost it. Go ahead.
2: Okay. Well, I'm just saying, I'm bringing this up because this is going to probably be one of the uh, watershed moments in gaming for the next, like, for for this generation, most likely. Uh, Specifically because of how crazy... uh, Events are getting with people talking about it, getting banned on Twitter. You talk about Gamergate on NeoGAF. You get automatically banned. Uh, you try to support Gamergate. You get bans on like different various sites. You can't even talk about it on Reddit. Reddit will uh, has been deleting posts. That's one of the other things that spurred um, this issue along continuously is a lot of these... Uh, like sites that you would think you can talk about things freely, like 4chan and Reddit and NeoGaf, are banning people or deleting tweet, uh, posts about the events, about uh, the narratives, is just turning this into this giant, crazy, uh, ethical situation.
1: <laughs> talk freely on NeoGaf. What what NeoGaf are you on?
2: Well, still, the point is it's a gaming forum. It's about (laughs) games, right? I don't have a NeoGAF account. I'm not going to wait on a one-year waiting list for NeoGAF. But still, it's it's interesting, this whole Gamergate situation and how out of control it's getting uh, between the two sides, especially with the... um, articles or sorry the uh the secret mailing list that was uh revealed just like last week or a week and a half ago so
1: you know what i'm gonna say i, I really don't care I, I really don't care um if i'm honest yep yeah, i don't care if she wants to sleep with five people then go ahead go ahead um it's a shame that you know it affected people's opinions on the game but they're still, no matter what they wrote, it's still an opinion, and it's still an opinion piece. You shouldn't take that as a hundred percent. Or they said it's a, a amazing. Doesn't mean it, it's going to be amazing for everyone anyway. To begin with, uh, my opinion. You should always judge whatever you're reading with your own opinion, not not just blindly follow it. So I don't. I really don't care. About GamerGate at all
2: Glenn yes sir is there any any other questions any other comments
0: well no I, I kind of get what it's about and I I just don't really care <laughs> I, I think I'm with Ben like people are gonna talk and um, do all this stuff. It's just another silly thing in in gaming and, um... The whole thing about sleeping around... The thing about journalists, and what I was trying to get to earlier, um, the thing about journalists is anyone these days can really call themselves a journalist. Um, and and so... I know that you were talking about the the people who are legitimately professionals and whatnot, but a lot of these websites um that, that publish video game journalism, don't hire purely professionals trained in journalism. Um, a lot of them hire just people who know how to write really well and, and who may not have been legitimately trained in journalism ethics. So it's, I mean, it's not very surprising to see things like, like I mean, whatever's sleeping around or whatever going on. Um, but I've always said that you should um, never just take what anyone says on the internet as law you know i mean it's just common sense i read i read an article on the internet is not exactly a very convincing source so you need to be smart you you can't just read something and expect it to be completely correct you need to be smart and and make sure that what you're quoting or what you're saying or or what you what you're believing is actually true because if, if it's just something you found on the internet, guess what? It probably, it, it might not be. It might not be, excuse me. I mean, I, I have, Um, I'm a writer. I, I write for PlayStation Universe. And, you know, we always try to check to make sure that everything that we write is accurate. But, you know, not everyone does that. And, and the fact of the matter is, I su- I suspect, and let me tell you straight up, IGN is one of the sites that I suspect, uh, particularly where reviews are concerned. I suspect that sometimes, some of these um some of these organizations tend to skew things uh for their own benefit. Like I look at um well I, I got to review it from the second sun for PSU and I gave it a ten. And, you know, agree or disagree, I don't care. You know, that was my experience. I gave it a ten and I still stand by my uh verdict. But it's a review, okay? Everyone kind of looks at the numbers and, and the numbers are the Bible. And it's all about the numbers that it gets. some people don't even read the review. Um, You have no idea why it got that number. It's just, oh, it got that number, and that's that. Um, But, you know, IGN's numbers lately have not really been matching their games. And taking a look at Infamous First Line, I've complained about this on RDGH before. Um, They showed basically really poor, dreadfully poor journalism, because, I mean, they said... One of the reasons that they took points off was because there wasn't enough variety in the powers. There, there, they said, basically, there should have been more powers that Fetch had access to. And it's like, Fetch is, a char- Fetch is not Delston Rowe. Fetch is not Cole McGrath. Fetch is not a character that can hold more than one power. Neon is it for Fetch. That's the character. So to take points off of the review because you think that there wasn't enough variety in the... You know, that shows that there's some kind of ulterior motive behind the way they got that score. That shows the skewing. And and so I do question um, the integrity of some of these websites, IGN in particular, because IGN is a very powerful website. Everyone goes to IGN for everything. Um, And and so they're in a position, I believe, where they can just do all of this stuff. And, And I guess they're trying to avoid the backlash where people are being like, oh, you know, you gave it a 10. You must be a fanboy or some stupidness like that. But, um, I mean, that's, that just kind of shows to me their journalistic integrity. And it's not very good, IGN. I'm not sorry for saying this. You should be sorry for what you're doing. Um, and I'll say that straight up. But- well,
2: here's the question then, Glenn, and I uh, apologize for, for interrupting you again, is why is it that, and this is the bigger question being asked from Gamergate, is why is it as gamers we put up with it? Like, we, why do we put up with corrupt journalism? Uh, other, other things, like, uh, for example, if someone in the mainstream news media did something similar, they would be called out and they would be, like, suspended or something would happen to them. But in gaming, it's just ho-hum. No one takes it seriously. It's like, you know, no offense when I say this, but like you said, you and Chile, they, you don't care about this situation but is that apathy what causes this situation to happen in games journalism and is keeping games journalism from becoming respected?
0: Let me rephrase. Um, When I say I don't care, I I don't mean I don't care that this situation is going on. I mean, I I kind of am the whole Thing about you know yeah it goes to gender and whatnot. I don't care about all of that. I don't care about all the noise surrounding it because the thing about gamers is gamers tend to spend a lot of time focusing on the wrong thing. a lot of gamers, like like the way, for example, we sit here and and bicker about a few pixels on the screen. I mean, who cares? Like we we bicker about you know how many women or how many black people are in the game. You know who, who cares? We we tend to look in the wrong direction, but the fact that the issue is happening in the first place is pretty significant. Um, and, and to tell the truth, as for why gamers put up with it, you know. Forgive me, I don't think that a lot of gamers really know any better or know what they can do about it. I mean, they can just complain. But the fact of the matter is gamers complain so much that it just reads as more complaining. Uh, no, one takes the, no one takes the article seriously, but no one takes the gamers seriously either because we spend so much of our time complaining and nitpicking at little things that it's like we're crying wolf. At least that's how it reads to me it, it reads to me like it's not like we just can't be taken seriously because we're always complaining that's to me that's exactly what it seems like and you know we really don't know what to do about something like this. It's not like we can go invade i g n or gamespot and and, and so
2: actually, there is a way there is something you can do about it, and that's uh I forget if it was Mundane Matt or Internet Aristocrat. Someone wrote, put put up a video about it. Just simply don't go to the site. Mm-hmm. That's what you do. Don't go to the site. Write to the advertisers. Tell them why you're not going to go there anymore. Because a lot of the problem is, is you see all of these sham articles is because they're clickbait. Because this isn't the magazine era anymore where people are paying ahead of time for subscriptions. And if you write something blatantly untrue or as propaganda, they're just gonna cancel that subscription and you lose money. Uh, They, sites get revenue from clicks. That's how they basically get it. They make a deal with an advertiser, X amount of clicks gets you X amount of money. And so if you want to really show uh, these sites that gamers are not gonna put up with it, do not click on their articles. Like for example, right now, I'm not clicking on a Kotaku article ever again, or a Polygon or any of them because of this situation. I refuse to, it doesn't matter what is being said. I'm not going to give them my click, I'm not going to give them my view to put towards to whatever dollar that they're going to get. Uh, even if it's something outlandish or whatever is being said, it's just, that is how, it's just this passive situation where you don't think you're helping, or sorry, like hurting, but you are by by clicking on clickbait articles.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But the thing about clickbait articles is you really can't tell that they're clickbait until you're in the article and you're like, oh, well, this isn't what it was talking about.
2: Well, that is – yeah, you're right. That is part of the problem is you can't tell because someone might try to be creative and and stuff like that and you might think the title is just clickbait but the, the article is completely awesome or vice versa. So that's why you have to basically say I'm not going to go to this site. Like I've seen some people uh, – put up, I forget how it is, some little tech thing where you can make it so your computer just does not go to certain sites anymore and just blocks them outright. So that way it's like I'm never going there anymore, for example. Whichever site you want it to be. Whichever site you think is corrupt or whatever. So, I mean, you just basically have to, to ban it completely outright.
0: hmm Right. Um... For the sake of time, uh, we need to move forward here just a bit because I promised Ben some time as well. Um, ben, you have been at Eurogamer.
1: That is correct.
0: And how's uh, that? Yeah. How's that been going? Be, be a little more detailed now than you were in the in the first part.
1: Okay, I will do. Uh, first of all, it was amazing. Uh, it was busy as always. It's massive. It's the biggest event in the UK. It's always tiring because of that. You have to queue outside to go underground to queue to get in, to go inside to queue to play games. It's like a giant queue simulator. <laughs> um, um, wow. So once you get in there, though, it's... Oh, it's oh. Um, there was loads of games this year, as you can tell. There was Far Cry 4, Drive Club, Project Cars, Dying Light, Dead Island 2... Uh, velocity, there's loads Ridiculous ridiculous, um, quantum break sunset overdrive they're all playable there um, uh, I had a lot of fun I was there for two days Sadly, I didn't stay for the whole event but getting to London is quite costly for me and staying in London is also just as costly mm-hmm. um, so yeah if, you, if you, uh, any you guys got any questions about the games I played I played Far Cry 4 dri- well I, didn't, I played Drive Club but put down Light, Dead Island 2, uh, Volume by Mike Biffle, played that. Um, oh, and I also had an exclusive interview with the guys behind The Witcher 3. Oh, wow. Um, so I, I had a, a behind-the-scenes session with them. And I also had a behind-the-scenes session with the team behind The Division and Far Cry 4. I met Vincent. Okay. Um, he's a nice guy.
0: So how um, I guess I want to know about The Witcher. What do you What do you think, Ben uh, Dane?
2: Me uh, for what I want to hear about. Yeah, I would I would say uh, the division.
1: Okay, well, um, I, these weren't shown. These were literally. I had a talk with the guys. Mm-hmm. Um, the Witcher three it was pretty much covered. I asked. I, in fact, I don't want to say too much because I do have. I have recorded the audio from the interview, mm-hmm. and I will be doing. Articles on both these subjects very soon, but I want to say that he did bring up the fact that you know, with The Witcher three, there won't be any huge big boss battles, which disappointed me. And there's loads of stuff he talked. We talked about in in the time I had with him. Um, how so, yeah.
0: long? How long is the audio?
1: It's about ten minutes long. Oh, okay. Ten, 10 to twelve minutes long. Um, but I I want to see if I can get it sorted out for again on maybe the podcast in the future, but. There's quite a bit of background noise so Mm -hmm. because the booths aren't really soundproof. (coughs) Absolutely. Excuse me. Um, Absolutely. So that was my Thursday. I had literally um, five meetings on one day. That was knackering. And then Friday, I had a private event with Square Enix. Just outside of Eurogamer. It wasn't in the event. It was they had they'd um good? they'd hired a little pub top floor where they were showing off certain games and letting journalists play the games without waiting in line in the event, and you had to get an invite to get there
0: oh nice, and you got um, an invite?
1: yeah, they invited me personally um
0: well aren't you special?
1: <laughs> yeah, I got an invite from them personally um so I went to that, I got to play Tomb Raider. Sleeping Dogs, and The Lord of Fallen, and I got to view Life is Strange, which I must admit, I loved it. I really. Which, Life is which
2: Tomb Raider, Ben? Sorry.
1: Uh, the, you know, the uh, Temple of Osiris. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, which was actually a lot of fun. In fact, because by, t- by the time I got to play that, all the other journalists had played it. So, because um, I w- went to watch the Life is Strange thing first before I went to play Tomb Raider. So most of the other journalists are not bothered with life is strange for some reason and just played Tomb Raider, which is a bad decision because that game looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up playing Tomb Raider with two of the other developers. Instead, tuffle, I thought that was yeah, that's win. I don't right. care. I don't even care. <laughs> <laughs> but we, um, the developers, ended up trying to troll me by, um, basically, one of the new features is you can have a, you have uh, Lara and the. Uh, I remember the other guy now, has a grappling hook where where they can get up to certain ledges and they can also help other characters get across gaps by shooting the grappling hook and the other person can walk across the line to get across. But when I was playing it, one of the developers decided to let go of the R1 button, so I fell into a spike. Oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah. I kind of did the same to them. Okay. <laughs> Basically, the, it's co-op, but there's a bit of competition because um, at the end of the end of the match, basically, the collectibles are for each player. And at the end of the game, you get, ma- you get scored based on how many gems you've collected during the match as well. So it's, it's co-op, but with a bit of competitiveness as well. Not too much, but a bit. But that, li- that life is strange. It's out. Uh, Tomb Raider's out December 9th, by the way. Tomb Raider... Temporary Service Gold Edition, the Collector's Edition will come with a season pass, a map, an art book, and a bubble head Lara.
0: Hmm. Um,
1: anyway, Life is Strange was ah, uh, if you like Walking Dead, but you don't want a game with zombies. Thank you. Life is Strange is for you. It's well. a it's like a uh, point and click style game, but with it's basically what i saw because we weren't allowed to play it sadly it was a uh, hands-off presentation um it was a character that uh, was she was called max and had come back to her hometown after five years and she started going back to high school there um she met with a friend that she hadn't seen for five years um but she's found out she's got a weird power where she can reverse time but the whole game is basically about choices you the way you act in the game affects your relationships with other characters. Um, the scene... One of the scenes... I've written this in the article. One of the scenes is your friend is caught smoking weed in her bedroom by her dad, her stepfather. Now, you can either say that you were the one who was smoking it, not her, and take the blame so that she doesn't get told off. Um... But your stepfather starts to dislike you because of the fact that you're smoking weed, or you can say that she was doing it; and it was hers, in which case he smacks her and then starts telling you telling you not to be around her anymore, and it'll hurt your grades and so forth. And that he knows who you are, and blah blah blah, and the fact that she you know she's a bad influence on you. So, and that will actually affect the game in a way because when you see her at school the next day, she will actually be bruised. Hmm. Um, but you also have the power to reverse time, which you're limited of course, but say you go through that that, little, that scene and you get hit by the five and you think that's horrible and you don't want it to happen you can reverse time back to before that first cutscene, you can, that's a, that's the a limit, you can only go back to the pre, at start of the previous cutscene um, and then redo your choices again and have it so that you play out the other option if you feel like you've made the mistake. Now, some gamers, in my opinion, like me, will find that a bit annoying, the fact that you can do that. But as long you just got to remember, it's just an option. So if you don't want to do it, you don't have to. You can just play the game again. But for those who don't want to keep playing the game, you do have that option, which is a nice so the, little feature.
2: So then, Ben, here's, here's a question for you. Could you, in you know, the same scene, could you then reverse it so that you're not smoking weed to, to change the whole outcome?
1: No, because she's smoking it when you enter the room.
2: Oh, uh, okay.
1: Yeah, she's already smoking it as you enter it. Because basically what happens, you go downstairs to do a little scene yourself. Mm. You've got to fix your camera. Mm-hmm. And then when you're coming up, she's already got it light. So. Shame, but shame. also that, What's that?
0: Shame, shame.
1: Yeah. Um, so, well, she's the rebel type of goth teenager chick. Um, Basically, and also, you find out she's stolen her stepfather's gun as well. Um hmm. uh, Yeah, she believes in gun control. And by gun control, she means that men shouldn't have guns. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, the main two characters of the game are the two females. So it's, that's their main <laughs> main view, is the fact that you're playing as two females as the main character. Um the game is episodic, like with Walking Dead. It'll be starting coming out from early next year. Um, I asked about retail version, and he said maybe. So we'll see about that.
2: What system is this on again?
1: PS4 and Xbox One.
2: Okay, so next gen only.
1: I think so. I, I, I oh no, it might be PS3. And X- I can't remember exactly. Sorry, I'll have to look it up. He it was showing on the PS4 though, so. Mm-hmm um uh, yeah so i played a lot of games at uh, you're a gamer it was uh it was a really good event and project cars i i agree with that video actually it was i was completely disappointed in it i really was
0: oh you were completely disappointed
1: yeah it just it looked it looked really it don't know it looks good yeah but after seeing drive club and then walking over to the project cars booth and seeing pretty bland environment. I know it's a track, so you can't exactly have brilliant, beautiful mountains and trees and snowdrops and beautiful lakes. But going from having all those beautiful like sceneries and backdrops to a track was kind of like
0: it was. A, it was a bit of a shock.
1: Yeah, it was disappointing. It wasn't. It wasn't the game's good. In fact, it's it runs at sixty frames, ten eighty p, and so forth. All your so all your people that you like your peas, you got all your ten eighties peas. Um I was tempted to go to the Batman line, no, that was there. That was looked amazing. They had a pre- uh, show of Batman Arkham Knight, but it was just a presentation, it wasn't actually gameplay. Hmm. Um Dead Island two, I had fun with that. That was pretty much the gameplay was um you had ten minutes to kill as many zombies as possible. But uh, I think I glitched it. Yeah, that
0: sounds boring to me.
1: I think I glitched it because I w- went into a room and zombies just kept spawning in, that, in in front of me. So I ended up getting like 80 kills in a row because they just kept appearing.
2: <laughs> Maybe that's how it is. Maybe it was a special room.
1: Maybe it was a special room. But either way, it's pre-alpha, so of course it's probably fixed by next year. Oh, um, uh, zombies. Yeah. <laughs> you, well, you wouldn't like Dying Light then. Yeah, that was oh. zombies as well. Lovely. Um, of course Little Big Planet Three was there and I watched a few people play that. Uh Ollie Ollie Two was there. I watched that and it looked really good. It looked like Ollie Ollie but with a lot better graphics, so and the new grinding feature looks pretty cool. Um, and I played a bit of Destiny while I was there because Destiny, why not? <laughs>
0: Was there anything special about Destiny there, or were they just did they just have the game playable for promotion?
1: They just had the game playable for promotion. They had the strike and the moon mission. Oh, okay. Um, and anyone who who basically after if you were selected, you could go on stage and play it on the big, huge, massive screen, so everyone could watch you play it. Hmm. Which annoyed me because I really wanted to be on that big screen Oh, okay. because I was going to break that game. I know how to break it, so I was going to break it on live TV uh, just to see what happened.
0: They would never have invited you back. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Thanks, Ben. Um, we'll have to look out for more of your um, yeah. your articles uh, within yeah. the coming weeks, so check those out on PSU.com. Uh, uh, whether you're a PlayStation fan or not, just come. Um, uh, also, buy Dane's book. I know we've said that. But... I buy Dane's <laughs> book. It's 99 cents. 99 cents. Um, Even
2: though it says 2.99, this is the weird thing. Sometimes on Amazon it says it's 2.99, but I specifically marked it 2.99 cents. So it's really annoying why it, it shows the wrong price sometimes.
0: No price drop for you. Um, <laughs> oh, so, price drop. Yeah. so uh, check that out on Kindle. Um,
2: and again. What's the name, Glenn? The Lissandra Files. Choice and Consequence, Episode 1. Episode Um, 1. Once again,
0: the opening theme this episode was Utopia by Armin Van Buren featuring Adam Young. Adam Young is awesome. I know you've heard Owl City's music before. Basically, he is Owl City. Um, So check him out. Follow him on Twitter. And um, buy the song and buy the album that it comes on. It's called Mirage. Um, They're available on iTunes and Amazon and Google Play and all sorts of places right now. Um, so thanks for that. I don't know yet what our ending music will be. It would be nice if I knew that ahead of time. (laughs) It would be nice if I knew what either of the music was ahead of time, because then I could give um, credit in speech and not just in the description. But, um, thank you guys for uh, listening. This has been episode 35 of the Radical Destiny Gaming Hour. Um... (laughs) Ben's, Ben's, title. And uh, we will see you uh, next week for episode 36. But before we go, Dane, how can everyone contact you?
2: Uh, everyone can reach me on uh, email at dane.smith at psu.com. That's D-A-N-E. So any comments, questions, anything that I say in the podcast you like, don't like, email me about it or anything about reviews because I'm the guy in charge of reviews for the site. Also, you can reach me and on Twitter at uh, lasomfiles, L-A-S-O-M. B-R-A-F-I-L-E-S. And like we said, my novel, uh, L'Isombra Files, Choice and Consequence, is on Amazon for 99 cents on digital. So please buy that. Please support an indie uh, writer uh, to help support book number two coming out hopefully within the year.
0: Um, when I he says the, the when he says the site, he's talking about PSU.com, just to clarify. Uh, ben, That's... how can people reach you?
1: You can contact me at chili underscore you count Twitter, Ben, Shabbear Hall at PSU.com. That's B E N slash S H I double slash hall at PSU.com. You can also contact me on NeoGaf at Chili. Uh you can also contact me on PSN as Chili as well, because I've had a few new friend requests. Um that that's the ways you can stalk me
0: and by slash he means dash just to clarify um (laughs) you can reach me if you like to on twitter at go underscore at g-o-g-l-e-n-n underscore or by email at glenn.gordon at psu.com um we will see you no we won't it's audio next week um We'll episode. see them in no, you...
1: spirit. <laughs> I will see them with my ears. Next somehow. week um, for
0: episode 36 of the Racial Diversity Gaming Hour. Until then, we wish you a great week, great gaming, and don't be a racist. Thank God for me and believe in Gary. What is with all these hashtags? Thank God for me believe in Gary by his book. I'm the only one without a <laughs> hashtag. I'll have to work on it.